0: your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Final show of the week. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today and a lot of good stuff coming up on today's show. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune joins me here in just a little bit to talk Vikings. He is in Indianapolis right now for the NFL Scouting Combine. All sorts of interesting stuff happening there. the uh, Adolfo Mensa the Vikings GM, and uh, Kevin O'Connell, Vikings head coach, talked earlier this week about all sorts of stuff. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson... Um, where they stand with, with contracts, things like that. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, um, the quarterbacks that the Vikings are looking at are throwing, uh, on Saturday. Um, the Viking uh, quarterbacks take center stage today with interviews uh, with the media and Saturday with on field work. So I can't really remember a team going into the combine where there's a big free agent question looming at quarterback with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, but also that team is looking heavily at um drafting a quarterback. It's a fascinating spot for the Vikings to be in, and Andrew and I will get into that here in just a little bit. Also, a roster move for the Vikings that I'll get to towards the end of the show, in addition to a big announcement from Caitlin Clark, the Iowa basketball star. First, though, what I missed, is going to be a hockey-heavy uh, opening segment here on Daily Delivery. The Wild, let's start there, lost to Nashville 6-1 to last night. And if you can't see the end of the road right now. Um, you can kind of see it off in the distance. They're eight points back now in the wild car race. They're bunched up still with like three other teams that are right there with them. LA won last night as well, so the Kings and the Predators are both eight points clear of the wild now. Kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Still like not the season's not like over. There's still like a third of the year left. So you can't say season over, but the wild can kind of see the end from here. If they don't win tomorrow night in St. Louis, you can kind of say, okay, that's that's for all intents and purposes, that could feel like the end, especially because the trade deadline is one week from today. And you could see them unload some players. Again, they can't move a lot of guys because they have these no-move contracts, so they're not going to make like these massive wholesale changes, but you could see some minor tweaks give the younger guys a chance to play in the final month, month and a half of the season, things like that. But for now, 6-1 in a game where you kind of have to have it, right? They're down six points to the Predators going in. A win gets them within four of Nashville, regulation win. So you're thinking, okay, this is where they kind of unload everything. This is where they have to have their best effort. I just don't feel like they had that from the jump. Neither did head coach John Hines. Here he was after the game. I thought from a competitive standpoint we weren't close to where we needed to be uh in a lot of areas of the ice. You know, and you could arguably say tonight we got what we deserved. We didn't put enough into the game that gives you a chance to win this time of year. Um and you saw the end result. And look, sometimes we say effort as an, as a proxy for for talent and skill. Like sometimes we don't want to say a team just isn't good enough. I think that might be the case with the Wild. I don't think they gave I think they gave a curious first period effort in this game that they didn't come out looking as sharp and as focused as they could be. But that's going to wane and wax through the year. That's kind of how the Wild have been this year, right? Like when they get good goaltending, when they don't give up a billion power play goals, when this, when that, they can be a decent team. They can be a pretty good team. They can put together a run like they did right after the All Star break, where they went like seven one and one something like that during that stretch. They put together that. They kind of got back into the fringes of the Wild Card race. They've kind of done that a few times this year and maybe they'll do that one more time this year but there's enough inconsistencies with this team enough where you just feel like this is finally the year where they are feeling the the impact of the Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi buyouts it's just it hasn't caught up to them yet until this year they've got another year of it next year you just start to wonder okay where is the future of this where is the direction going until you get to that 25-26 season which feels far away right it feels like you got another year of this how are you going to navigate this when you know you've got problems coming ahead it's not like the NFL where you can backload contracts like any contract in the NHL hits the cap exactly the same every single year you can't like say okay we're going to sign somebody to a three-year 30 million dollar contract but only five of it's going to count next year then we'll spread the rest over the next two years after we kind of out of this cap jail can't do that in the NHL so they're kind of stuck in this space and for now It just kind of feels like they're not good enough, right? You'd like to see a better effort, a better focused effort in this game against Nashville. But it just seems like, by and large, they're just not quite good enough. And they're going to have to face that music. And maybe they're going to make some trades before we get too far into next week. Let's go down one level. College hockey. This caught my eye yesterday little fuel for Abby Murphy's considerable fire as the Gophers women's hockey team prepares for the WCHA playoff starting today against uh, MSU Mankato. Abby Murphy, the nation's leading goal scorer, plays for the Gophers, excellent forward for the Gophers, could only make second team, uh, all WCHA, second team forward in her conference, even though she's leading the nation in scoring. Now, Two reasons for this I can imagine. One, the competition in the conference is very fierce. The three forwards who got first team, uh, they, they're very good, right? Kirsten Sims and Casey O'Brien from Wisconsin, they're 1-2 in the nation in scoring, not goals, but scoring, goals and assists combined. And then Ohio State, uh, Hannah Bilka, she also made it. She's up there in points, although considerably lower than then Abby Murphy and, uh, they are number one in the nation, number one in the, uh, in the WCHA overall. So they're number one in the pair wise. They're a very, very good team. So you can't say, okay, she, you know, there's, there's players who didn't necessarily deserve it, but Abby Murphy's leading the nation in goals. How does she get left off the first team, only make second team? Well, you got this competition, but you've also got the fact that she is not very well liked, it seems. She gets into scraps. She gets a lot of penalties. She is a feisty player by her own admission. You just watch her. You know that. So I have to wonder if part of that is is playing into this voting as well. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. interesting if she uses that as motivation. I don't know if she needs extra motivation, but uses that as motivation as they advance and continue in the playoffs, especially if they see some of these other teams in the deeper rounds of the postseason. And finally, one level lower than that high school hockey had a massive upset i don 't talk a lot of high school hockey here because we have a separate high school sports podcast. Those guys do a great job um, Chan Hassan taking down undefeated defending state champion Minnetonka in the section final on Thursday two to one massive upset I mean some people are saying you know one of the biggest upsets in section playoff history. I mean, I've seen plenty of them in my day. I covered a lot of high school hockey back when I was doing high school sports 15, 20 years ago. I've seen some big upsets, but this one, you know, even just from an outside perspective, someone who doesn't follow it all that closely now, does seem like a massive upset. Tons of people, you know, chiming in on social media on Thursday night. Um, it's like one of the top red stories on our on our sports section this morning on StarTribune.com. like this is a major upset so go read that story check that out Chan Haston going to the state tournament for the first time Minnetonka which won the big school tournament last year going home didn't make it this year after a massive upset on Thursday
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation.
0: That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. I've got Andrew Kramer with me today from Indianapolis. Andrew is there with uh, our colleague Ben Gessling covering the NFL Scouting Combine. Um, Andrew, you guys did a Access Vikings podcast the other day. You should go listen to that. But I wanted to catch up with you just on maybe some of the stuff you and Ben have already talked about. But it's been we expected this to be a fairly newsy combine just based on what we know about all the decisions facing the Vikings, um, the quarterbacks that are available in the draft that they're definitely getting going to get a long look at here in the next couple of days. What what's kind of the what what's the what you know if you're kind of going to put a headline on what's happened so far? from the Vikings' perspective, what where do you see that as right now?
1: Yeah, I would say the headline would be that the Vikings are even more enamored, if that's possible, with this draft class of quarterbacks. They've had their eye on it for some time. Obviously, Caleb Williams and Drake may have been you know, the pie-in-the-sky dream, but after sitting down with Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, it became clear that they have liked even more of their options, and how much of that's posturing with Kirk Cousins, I'm not sure, but... Uh it's it is clear to me that they like beyond the top two options of Caleb and Drake, um, potentially even a JJ McCarthy, certainly a Jaden Daniels. Um, they've they've met with all of these guys here in their stadium suite at Lucas Oil. Um, and Quasey said it's nice to sit down with these guys and get confirmed what you thought was good about them. Um which is much different rhetoric than he had the last couple of years when we were going through the quarterback evaluations and much more maligned classes, guys who classes that didn't have the talent that this class is thought to have. Um, And the Vikings really, really do seem to like a lot of their options here. They also still want to keep Kirk cousins. And we've talked about this when they broke for the season on January 10th or whatever it was, they left that season intending to double down on their quarterback position after all the turmoil last year. Um, two months ago, they they wanted to re-sign Kirk and they wanted to make a run at drafting the next guy. I don't think any of that's changed. And like I said, if anything, once they got up close and saw these these quarterbacks in the draft, I'm sure they think with pick number 11, they're in a good spot to get their guy, uh, even if that needs to be trading up to go get him.
0: Where do we think then... You said they're still interested in in bringing Kirk Cousins back. They've said all the right things about that. When you know they they had the public news conference on Tuesday, where both O'Connell and Quaysilofon Mensa talked. Um, Kevin O'Connell just started talking about you know he, Cousins was throwing as well as anyone when he got hurt. You could tell that he's got a certain affinity for him that he wants him around. It's always been this this question of for how long, at what price, what are the terms. A lot of that's going to have to do with what Cousins' market is, because Andrew, let's be honest. Like at any point in 2022 or 2023, they could have made Kirk Cousins an offer that he couldn't refuse, right? Like they they could have they could have had Kirk Cousins locked up for a long time, and they've instead did the one year deal in 2022 that you know they got him one more year of Cousins, and then at, you know before 2023 they did the deal where it was basically like ah, we're just going to kind of go into 2023, let this play out. We're going to put this dead money on here just to to ease the cap burden. Um, so I'm trying to understand, A, what's changed at this point, but B, kind of where the, where the market might lead them in this case.
1: I don't think anything's changed. I think they've always wanted Kirk at a specific price. And to your point, they're not making an offer that he can't refuse. So they're not giving him the, let's say he wants three years fully guaranteed like he got when he signed here in 2018. They have not offered him that. Um, my understanding was a year ago, uh, they put three different contracts on the table for him, and his side chose the one year with the no trade clause. And that that's just what they wanted in terms of the guaranteed money that was available, the overall value that was available. Um, and so now I don't think anything's changed. I think they still have their line, and Kirk is and, and his agent Mike McCartney are very good at testing the market and getting the most out of it. They're very uh, storied and have a deep history of doing that from Washington to Minnesota. So I think they're going to try and do that again. That's what they are doing. Kirk has put the full court press on them from dancing at the NFL Honors thing, showing off his Achilles repair to um, the video that he put out on Monday, which was not a coincidence that it was right at the start of Combine Week. They are trying to, Kirk's camp is trying to drum up that interest the best that they can. To then hold the Vikings feet to the fire and say, look, if we've got X deal over here from whatever team, you know, can you match it? Can you up your offer? And my understanding is that the Vikings have not budged on what they're willing to give him. This isn't a Justin Jefferson situation where they're saying, "Okay, we'll keep getting closer to your line and keep trying to to be aggressive about this. They're going to wait it out and Kirk's going to make them sweat. Um, And we're going to we're going to see this over the next two weeks um and it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out so with kirk i don't think anything's changed i, I think they've always had their line with him um and i think they're going to stand by that and it's just a matter of does kirk come back and accept that after he sees what's out there and he, they're in the process of doing that this week they're going to do it next week as well this might be something that goes up until may 11th or, or march 11th, 11th well, yeah. right before the start of free agency um and And that's that's the fascinating part about it, because he's the injury throws a wrench into it, the age does, but their personal evaluation of Kirk, you can see it from the general manager perspective too. Quasey has already changed his rhetoric about Kirk um a year ago, he was talking about how, well, he's pretty good on schedule, and people don't you know give him enough credit for that. And then this time around, he's saying, we know we can win the ultimate prize with this guy. That's the first time he's he's really flatly said that. And I believe that after they saw him play in eight games in the last six to eight quarters, they saw him play beating the 49ers, trouncing Green Bay uh, before tearing his Achilles was some of the best football we've seen him play in Minnesota. And so they think there's no reason why they can't continue that. But they're also going to be smart about trying to uh, be rational about trying not to overpay uh, for a guy that frankly has maximized his value year after year.
0: Well, and then part of what Quayce said too is that they're not promising Justin Jefferson anything in terms of who his quarterback will be. So that was interesting. Obviously, it's just it's a it's a fact you can't promise Justin Jefferson who your quarterback's going to be. But that was interesting. But the other part that's interesting, like you said, is what exactly is Kirk Cousins' market, and that's you know I think that's still yet to be established, but it's probably getting fleshed out a little bit here at the combine. Do you have a sense of like? Is there a team that's just like really like all in on Kirk Cousins, or is this enough where people are like cautious enough about spending, not in this mode where they feel like a veteran quarterback is going to push them over the top? Enough good quarterbacks available in the draft that the market that he thought might be there might not be as strong as he might want it to be, even if he is the best quarterback available in free agency potentially?
1: Yeah, you named a great factor there in terms of the quarterback class, meaning that QB needy teams are not going to be forcing money to the table here in March, fearing that they can't find their solution here six weeks later. Um, that's a huge factor. Another huge factor is that Justin Fields is available. And that's such a big factor because this quarterback free agent class is not great. So Kirk is the cream of the crop. and But that if you can trade a third or a fourth-round pick or whatever and pry Fields out of Chicago, and you might not have to pry because they seem to want to get rid of him because they're going to get Caleb Williams. Um that's another factor. So if it's a team like Atlanta, who would seem like a good fit for Kirk in terms of the play caller, Zach Robinson coming from Los Angeles, the, the skill talent they've got. Um, our colleague, Jim Gessling, has talked about how much time Kirk spends in Atlanta in the offseason. His wife is from there. Like, that would seem to be a natural fit. But if Atlanta, if Atlanta prefers Justin Fields, a rookie contract, a young guy that might be the long term solution for 10 years, not just the next few years. Um, that could throw a total wrench into one of the big possible suitors for him. And then you look around the league, there's not that many other teams that are that desperate. You think of Pittsburgh, you think of Las Vegas. Um, I don't know if these are teams that generally break the bank to sign journeymen, not journeymen, but but free agent veteran quarterbacks. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And, and I do think the draft plays a factor into it. Justin Fields is going to be a huge domino to fall in that chain. I do not get the sense that there's one or two teams that are saying, "Yes, this is our ultimate plan. We need to go get Kirk Cousins." Um, I could certainly not know about a certain team that's going to do that, but um I feel like the Vikings from every sense we've gotten here in Indianapolis, the Vikings very very much feel like they're still in it for Kirk. They just know he's going to make them sweat,
0: which is different than when they got him in 2018. I feel like there were four teams that were essentially like identified as the, as the people that were going after him it was with the jets the broncos i can't remember what the the fourth team was but there was you know it was it was kind of a bidding war and he ended up coming to minnesota i think it came out later that maybe there was a little bit more money on the table with i think the jets were, were offering a little bit more but he thought this was a more stable situation where he could win um, but that's a little different and obviously you know six years later Um, you know, when he, when he was a free agent before he was going into his age 30 season, I believe now he's going into his age 36 season. That's different coming off the Achilles. And frankly, like we've seen him for six years, he's been good, but he's, you know, he's been kind of the same guy. He wasn't in Washington, hasn't elevated the Vikings to some, you know, loftier standard and, you know, and the, here they are still six years later. So it's kind of the same guy. So that, that piece of it's interesting to me and maybe teams are kind of understanding what they're getting in. And he's he's a much more known commodity now than he was probably 6 years ago when he was when he was part of that class. And what's interesting to me too is like everybody probably knew that this was going to be a pretty good quarterback class. Like we've seen that coming. So I'm kind of surprised that that maybe they preferred that one-year deal a year ago knowing that if he was going to hit free agency right now, it was going to be at a time where a team might be able to address their quarterback through the draft and not have to do it through free agency
1: yeah, but that's Kirk. Kirk has always bet on himself. He's always been the guy who still is jaded about not having a ton of offers out of high school. He's the same guy who's jaded about being a fourth round pick, Jaded that Bruce Allen wouldn't give him anything more than a franchise tag in Washington. He holds on to that and he wears it. and I think that edge is what drove them into saying, you know what? Make us a free agent soon and we'll we'll uh, take our chances the way that we always have. Um, I don't know if they were really looking at the quarterback draft class, but I'm sure they were looking at the free agent veteran group. And frankly, Kirk is the best option by far. They could not foresee that Justin Fields would all of a sudden become available. That, that really messes a lot up for them potentially. Um, but I, I do think that this is a guy that will continually bet on himself. And I, I, what's fascinating is that if he comes back to the Vikings, is he again going to choose a short-term deal? Is he again going to say, you know what, let me go and prove that I'm healthy off this Achilles for one year. You guys are going to draft your guy anyway. Just then let me go next year after a full year you know, uh, of health, theoretically. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. It's just it will be fascinating to see what he eventually agrees to if it is coming back to Minnesota, because I'm sure like there have been in the past, he will have multiple options to choose from
0: if it was one year or one with another year that was like a partial guarantee with some sort of like option trigger something like that i could that's far more easy for me to stomach like all along i've been imagining that if he was going to come back here it was going to have to be a multi-year deal um which to me kind of negated a lot of the appeal of drafting a quarterback you're burning two years i know that That's worked some places, like it works for Green Bay. Doesn't seem like a lot of other people are using that formula though, because part of the cheat code of having a young quarterback is that you get all those years of rookie scale contract. Like if you're saying to me, and again, this is just gonna it's a little speculative at this point, but if you're saying to me there might be a possibility where he tests the market and has to come back here on a deal that's framed more like one year or like one two-ish if he plays well, if they decide that's what they want to do. That's a lot more easy for me to digest than thinking about multiple years of guaranteed money for Kirk Cousins, especially with the what's what's ahead of them, what else they have to kind of contend with in the division, in the conference, and what else they have to address on this roster. Yeah, it's not only easy for you to stomach, it's
1: easier for the Vikings to stomach, yeah. too, which is why I think we have this line that they've got, and this line that they just have not crossed. And this isn't to say that they haven't offered him in the past three years fully guaranteed recently it just wasn't at the level of of dollars that that he wanted um so you they can offer the the structure that kirk wants but if it's then below the value like those two things need to equate for him and they just haven't to get a long-term deal in minnesota and he's going to be somebody that if he's going to sign something longer than a two-year deal it's going to have to it's going to have to be baked into the fact that more and more money every year becomes available for players in the NFL. So if you're saying I'm signing for you for 2026, well, the cap might be 300 million by then the way it's going up. So you all need to you know build that in. And I need to be being getting paid 45 million by that point or whatever. And it's so much easier for a team to just say, you know what, we'll, we'll just do the two years, build around what the outlook of the salary cap is now. The money is now. Um, that's where all this business just goes haywire and all these negotiations because, you know, Kirk wants that security, but he also wants that money. And I think Kirk says the right things. Last time we talked to him at the end of the season, he said, structure is more important to me than overall dollar value, but you still need to get paid more than Daniel Jones. Who's 40 mi- who makes 40 million. That means if you're the Vikings, are you going to be paying 41 guaranteed for the next two years, 82 million guaranteed up front? Like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if this is going to be more of a one-year and then a trigger for the next year of if he's on the roster the third day of the league year, then he gets guaranteed 2025 um, because he knows what they're doing. He knows they're looking at the draft prospect quarterbacks. He knows they want to pick the next guy, um, and he's going to be mindful of uh, essentially getting replaced while he's
0: still on the roster. Let's talk about some of those kind of next wave guys because they'll talk to you guys on Friday, then throw – on Saturday. Now, the top three guys aren't there, right? They're not throwing there, at least. There's no no, you know, no Caleb Williams, no Drake May, no Jaden Daniels, but kind of that next wave, the ones that almost certainly would be there for the Vikings at number 11, um, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, those guys would be available at 11, maybe even at 42 or with a trade up from 42 to get back into a certain spot. Those guys are there. Those guys are going to throw what do we think about them? What do, we think of, what do we think they think about them at this point?
1: Yeah, they're keeping a lot of that very guarded. Um, I do think, from what we've heard, there's a, there's a line, obviously, on the first-round prospects of who they view worthy of a first-round pick. I'm not sure somebody like Bo Nix reaches that mark. I absolutely think that their evaluation of J.J. McCarthy does meet that mark. And, and it'll be interesting to see. Whether or not they feel like they need to trade up from eleven for a guy like that, and JJ's combine, his on-field drills, his pro day, his interviews, all of that is going to weigh heavily on a team falling in love with him. And it only takes one. If if the Denver Broncos at twelve or whatever fall in love with McCarthy and they want to trade up to six or trade up to eight, the Vikings have to be mindful of that. Um, and they want to be aggressive. By everybody you talk to says everything we hear from the Vikings is that they want to be incredibly aggressive. In getting their next guy. And they know this is the class to do it. They don't think the 2025 draft classes was as good. They certainly didn't think the 2023 draft class was as good when they only liked uh, uh, Richardson, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud. There are more than three options they like in this class. I think Jaden Daniels is among, the, among them. I think J.J. McCarthy is among them. I'm not sure about Michael Penix at this point. I know people like Matt Miller at ESPN have mocked Penix to the Vikings in the second round. Um, and saying that you know they would do something like that if they re-sign Kirk, then you can spend a second rounder on a quarterback or whatever. I think they could re-sign Kirk and spend the first rounder on JJ mm-hmm. McCarthy. I think they want to invest and be that aggressive about it. And so, if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm watching JJ McCarthy very closely um, through these these settings and through the pro day and and trying to glean as much as I can about that guy because when you hear about what he's good at. It matches a lot of what Kevin O'Connell talks about he wants in a quarterback in terms of the mental acuity, the accuracy, the mobility. Um, he had a lot to. He has a lot to prove because Michigan did not feature him. It, it featured Blake Corum. It featured the running game. Um, so I think the Vikings and a lot of teams have questions about this guy of, you know, what kind of throws can he make? What kind of positions can we put him in? And frankly, so much of this is gambling. You don't know until you get the guy in your building and you've already drafted him. And then you learn even more about him. Um, so it's going to be fascinating, but I, I do think that it's, it's more than just the top three guys they're looking at.
0: And Oh, by the way, uh, they have the best receiver in football who wants an extension. They've got one of the best edge rushers in football. Who's a free agent. They've got massive holes to fill on both sides of the ball. What else did they say this week that, that kind of gives you any hints or clues about where any of that is going?
1: Yeah, it was interesting to hear that, um, you know, all the the quote-unquote steam about a Justin Jefferson trade. Quasey was asked about it. He said, that has not once crossed my mind. Um, he said, you keep, you know, blue-chip players like that. And I, I tend to believe him. This is lying season. So many GMs and coaches are standing up there and, and just lying to you right to your face. But there's little reason to believe because we haven't heard anything behind the scenes about them shopping him around or anybody being interested or them even picking up the phone to entertain that kind of notion. They very much still want to extend Justin Jefferson with a new contract. They think they can, uh, but frankly, the deadline for this might not be until he puts pads on again in August. Um, this might drag out a while, or they could get it done in April. I, I, it, to me, what we've heard is that Jefferson's camp wants to wait as long as possible to get what they want, and the Vikings want to get this done as soon as possible so that there's no risk of another Nick Bosa upping the market for non-quarterback players, because that's the mark that Jefferson wants to hit. He wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback. That's at $34 million. Well, what Quasey said is we believe he should be compensated as one of the highest paid non-quarterbacks. That does not mean topping $34 million a year. Keep in mind, Tyreek Hill sets the, the ceiling for wide receivers at $30 million a year. I think that thirty million to $34 million window per year is what they're fighting over of how high are they going to get um, in that. And behind everybody is Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals waiting for Justin to set the floor for him because he wants to top that. So I don't think there's much concern about Jamar Chase raising Jefferson's floor because the opposite is occurring where Chase is waiting for Jefferson. So that's not going to happen. It's just a matter of does an edge rusher, does does somebody get paid more than 34 million to screw that up. Otherwise, the Vikings might be comfortable of drawing their line and waiting and, and probably expecting Jefferson to sign uh, that contract come this summer before, before he plays again. So um, the one person I'm not as confident about of returning to Minnesota is Daniil Hunter. Um, it seems like to me from b- what both Kwasi said on the record and what we've heard uh, behind the scenes, is that Daniel Hunter wants every last dollar that this free agent market is willing to offer. Uh, We've heard everything from the bears are interested. The lions are interested. Um, It's hard to tell what's true and what's not at this point, but after he had 15 and a half sacks or whatever it was, he's going to have a lot of interest. He's healthy. He's the kind of guy that you don't need to worry about aging poorly. Um, If I had to bet, I think there's going to be another team that comes along and makes him a bigger offer and he's not going to be, to my understanding, he's not going to be giving the Vikings any
0: kind of discount. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom. When you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking insured by NCUA. Lions almost made the Super Bowl. The Packers rallied, made the playoffs, won a playoff game. The bears are going to have First pick in the draft, they have another high pick. They're a team that a lot of people think are on the rise. How much of that should factor into their kind of short to medium-term thinking? I mean, we're talking about a lot of good players that they could bring back for a lot of money. There's also a school of thought that says, hey, you know, it's going to be tough to compete in 2024 no matter what. Should we be thinking a little bit further into the future with our planning?
1: Yeah, exactly. And why why should we be paying... Daniel Hunter, a five-year deal when we're not going to be relevant until the third year of that. And he's 31 or whatever, 32. Yeah. I totally get it. And I think that's part of it. And also look at this roster. Look how much work it has to do. I asked Quasey on Tuesday about the defensive depth chart. How did you evaluate it with the ebbs and flows of how good they played it sometimes and how poorly they did? And he owned up to it and said, We didn't have enough depth. That's on me. We need to stock this roster better. And they've got so much work to do on that side of the ball that even with Brian Flores staying, I'm not sure how they immediately beca- become a difference-making defense. This is going to take a year, two years, potentially three of roster moves to restock that that group on that side of the ball. Offensively, they're absolutely built to win now. You can find a running back anywhere. You, you could stumble into an Isaiah Pacheco, a Chris Carson in the seventh round. Um, you can sign a Devin Singletary and get almost a thousand yards from a guy who's very underrated. Um, it, you can fix that quickly. And I don't know if it, there's a lot of coaching that needs to improve on that side of the ball, too. But this past game, these weapons, if you bring Kirk back, you, you, you draft a rookie uh, who can sit a year and, and kind of develop. They can absolutely compete with anybody by year two or year three of that rookie's career with the weapons they have around him. It's just a question of can Quasey essentially save his job or, or show the Wilfs why he deserves to keep this job beyond his first contract? Because outside of Addison and Hawkinson, there have been little little reason to think that Quasey deserves the benefit of the doubt. They they need to uh, start hitting on some of these draft picks, specifically on defense, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if he's going to lean heavily on Brian Flores to do that.
0: Final thought here, away from the Vikings to the Gophers, you caught up with some of their draft prospects. You listened in on some of what they had to say on Thursday. I mean, Tyler Newbin, excellent prospect, had a really good final season with the Gophers. Where where are we at with, with the Gophers players? Yeah, there's just the two
1: of them, but Ty- Tyler Newbin might be the best safety uh, of this draft class. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a first-round pick. That is a position that, you know, outside of Kyle Hamilton recently, teams are generally okay to wait on. In the draft. So he might have to wait until day two or day three. But he's a guy that a lot of scouts, a lot of um, analysts really, really like in terms of what he brings. Obviously, he's got the interception record for the Gophers, the stats, the production all speak for itself. But um, he's rehabbing right now and he's going through an injury. So I'm not sure he's going to do everything in the on field drills at the combine, but people are going to want to see his testing numbers, see his athleticism numbers. Uh, because he's got all the intangibles. He's got the leadership. He's got the mentality. Everything out that you hear from people at the University of Minnesota uh, is nothing but love for this kid. And so I think he, the NFL evaluators will fall for him. Uh, it's just a matter of with his positional value. I don't know if that's really going to be a first-round pick. And Brevin Spanford is is in a pretty loaded tight end class. Th- that's the problem for him is that Brock Bowers. You know, we're we're talking to Spanford as brock bowers is also talking and, and it felt like everybody who's ever covered the sec was over there it was like 200 media members <laughs> surrounding brock bowers it was it was probably only like 40 but it was a lot of media members surrounding brock bowers and it's like three of us talking to brevin um and then you've got uh, a bunch of other guys uh, i can't name them all right now but there, i know there are a lot of other tight ends who were pretty heralded in this class much like last year's so I think he's going to be waiting quite a while, but he's also one of those just freak athletes. He was a high school uh, wide receiver coming in, transitioned to being a tight end, put on a lot of weight and became a decent blocker for a run-heavy offense. Um, He'll land on a team. He'll get drafted. It'll probably be day three, though. It's just cool to see these guys down here because they're still talking about Antoine Winfield Jr. They're talking about Coe Keith. They're talking about Max Williams. Guys who went through this process, who are talking to them this week and telling them tips and things to learn from and what to do. Um, you know, we're not too used to having Gophers go to the Combine for four straight years or whatever it's been. So uh, there's at least a little bit of relevance for the University of Minnesota here in Indianapolis.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll follow that. We'll follow um, whatever the quarterbacks do on Friday and Saturday. Like you said, follow J.J. McCarthy, particularly closely if you're a Vikings fan, because that feels like maybe that's the quarterback that fits the sweet spot of they think highly enough of him that he could be a first-round pick. And he would also be available probably when when they're picking, or at least gettable where they're picking, and an opportunity maybe there. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out, Andrew. I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to talk uh, in the next few weeks, but uh, appreciate you hopping on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Great stuff from Andrew, and a postscript to our conversation. We talked, you know, kind of late in the afternoon on Thursday, but then Thursday evening news coming out of the Vikings that a- Alexander Madison is going to be released by the Vikings. Uh, the running back who started the year as their starter last year, you know, ran for over 700, 700 yards last year, but didn't really get on track in a lot of different ways, replaced later in the year by Ty Chandler, who seemed to have a little bit more juice. Probably should have realized that this was the end of the road for Alexander Madison when uh, when I read the story the other day, right? This is kind of his, you know, <laughs> I keep thinking this is his puppet show and Spinal Tap moment. You know, if, if any of you were old enough to remember this is Spinal Tap, when that when that fictional band kind of got to the end of their journey and they were playing, you know, they used to be playing sold-out arenas and then they were playing this kind of small community community area, and they're on the marquee. It said Puppet Show and Spinal Tap. This was Alexander Madison's Puppet Show and Spinal Tap um, moment with Kevin O'Connell talking about the running backs, earlier this week. Here's a quote from the Star Tribune story. It's always a position that I think you know, whether free agency or the draft, you're looking to continue to infuse talent and different skill sets. But we feel good about what those guys were able to do, and more importantly, what we can build on from there, specifically with Ty towards the end of the season. Hmm. Okay, that was not great. He also said he praised Chandler as a real positive adding that Madison ran hard. Okay, that's your consolation prize right there. That is your puppet show and Spinal Tap. We know where the top billing was. We could probably read between the lines at that point that he was not long for this team. So Alexander Madison, one of the good dudes, one of the good guys on the team. You hate to see that happen, but he just did not produce last year, had fumbles, didn't really give them what they were hoping for, and he will not be on the 2024 Vikings Finally, let's finish with the cooler. Caitlin Clark, the Iowa basketball star who will be back next week for the Big Ten women's basketball tournament. Um, she's turning pro. No surprise, but she could have come back for one more year with Iowa because of the, you know, the COVID year of eligibility, things like that. She announced on Thursday that she is going to enter the WNBA draft, will be almost assuredly 99.999 however many nines you want and that uh will be the number one overall pick um she's just a phen- phenomenal amazing player and she will be in the wnba draft next year so look for that look for her in the league next year and see how she does against the pro competition that will do it for me today hope you guys enjoyed everything for the past week back at it again on monday with Roycey, i'm michael rand